This is Inside the New South Wales Police Force. I'm your host, Adam Shan. Today, we're on board with the MAC as they take down drug smugglers on the high seas. And we meet students Luke and Ruby at the Police Academy, preparing for a very big day in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by Police Bank. No matter where you are on your financial journey, banking with Police Bank means banking where you belong. Whether it's growing your savings, entering the workforce, buying your next home, or simply enjoying what life has to offer, Police Bank has a range of products to suit you at any stage of life. In August 2020, three desperate men, a pair of tradesmen, Christopher Precker and Jackson Giles Adams, and a Hong Kong citizen, Man Wa Chan, were aboard an aging 16-metre fishing trawler called the Coralin, 150 nautical miles off the New South Wales coast. The Coralin had rendezvoused and there was 1.8 tonnes of cocaine in the hold. The cargo was worth $250 million. Little did they know, the police were about to pounce in an extraordinary takedown on the high seas. And now the Mac was headed their way. And Sergeant Ryan Spong was part of that operation. The COVID restrictions at the time was limiting um, air travel and, and so this was a preferred method to sort of uh, get drugs into the country, I suppose. It was definitely, uh, the, I think it was the largest uh, anyone's ever been arrested for in one of these type of operations and, and I think it may well remain so. Sergeant Spong and the team embarked from the MAC's headquarters in Balmain on board the police flagship, the Nemesis, a super high-tech vessel perfect for this kind of operation. The Nemesis is our 32-metre um, uh, offshore patrol vessel. It's got a range of about uh, 2,000 nautical miles. You know, that's dependent on fuel rates and, and, and a few different other factors on, on how far we can go with that vessel. But it's capable of crewing um, for you know, 10 days, two weeks. You can stay at sea if, if we need to. It's... You know, I won't go into all the uh, specifics of the equipment we have on board, but it's uh, it's well set up for for this purpose. And you know, and obviously to do these boarding operations, we we take another vessel with us that, that we conduct those with. You always take your toothbrush when you go on the Nemesis. Well, you always always pack a bag when I go to work because I never know when I'm coming home. Pretty much, so much to my wife's um, disappointment. You know, sometimes I'll go to work for a day and come back four or five days later. So. You've got to love a job like that. So you, you, you're just sitting quietly. You're just suddenly you, you're on the way to halfway to New Zealand to pick up some some drug crooks. That's that's a pretty exciting day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, but it certainly comes with those um, risks and, and all the team on board. You know, you go out to these jobs and, and whether it's these type of jobs or search and rescue, you go out to these jobs not knowing when you're going to come back and, and in some fairly horrific conditions. And, you know, everyone says goodbye to their loved ones and, you know, hope they come back and, it's just that nature of the job. So I wouldn't certainly wouldn't say it's something we look forward to doing, but you've sometimes just got to suck it up and do your job, I suppose. Winding back a bit for the preparation of that job, you know, when I, I got notified of the job, asked to put a team together in it, it's very much a case of sort of handpicking a team that's going to be able to to do one of these jobs and, and handle it and um, out of our trained um, boarding team. There's a lot of training that goes into both the boarding team and the drivers of those vessels to be able to put you on board. And, you know, the, the guy who was driving that vessel, Dave, he's probably one of our most experienced drivers. And the the job as a whole, everything that could go wrong did go wrong from start to finish with this job. And, you know, we lost an engine on the way out there. I didn't lose the engine, but we, it stopped functioning on the way out there. 
which meant we were um, we were closing in on this vessel, um, you know, sort of half speed with one engine, and his ability to keep that contact with that boat whilst we were boarding um, was yeah pretty incredible, really. And, and we train a lot, and um, seems mundane sometimes the um, the training we do sometimes, but in the um, the scheme of things, him being able to hold us on that boat and, and complete the job is is pretty amazing. So it's a lot of preparation that goes into the the planning of the boarding itself, but also the um, the training. We um, use the momentum of the the vessel that we're um, trying to board and the um, the momentum of our vessel and the interaction between those vessels to to stick alongside it. So we basically continue our our momentum the next to the vessel. Uh, in this case, as you say, we boarded from the stern and um, we just lock on to the vessel essentially um, in this instance and able to send our boarding team on, on board and I'm sure we'll go into the conditions and whatnot later, but it was rapidly deteriorating at the time. We were looking at three, three and a half metre seas and you know, 40 knots of wind um, by the time we actually got on board. So it was um, no mean feat to firstly, you know, hold the boat there, hold the boarding vessel there and, and then be able to um, execute the boarding as well. So on approach to the vessel, we were coming in and one of our, we take a diver and a medic on board and one of our divers, unfortunately, in the, bo- the course of the boarding, you know, went overboard and um, underneath our boarding vessel, you know, this guy is probably one of the uh, most selfless people I, I know. He was, you know, it's a real life-threatening situation that when someone's underneath the vessel and overboard that far offshore in those conditions, he was able to ride himself back onto the vessel, get back on board and continue with his his duties to um, assist his team. You know, prior to us approaching, um, I'm not sure of their level of awareness. Certainly on approach, they noticed us and then... Um, again, I'm sure we're going to it, but you know, what happened on, on board, you know, the boat was set alight before we were on board and my first sighting of them uh, was, um, you know, someone's walked out onto the back deck and uh, something went overboard. Uh, we don't know what it was. Stay there, stay there. Your hands on the now. You know, and then um, we've seen them huddled up the front of the vessel at the bow of the vessel to get away from what was happening on the on the rear deck but they were certainly aware on our approach that, that we were coming How many on board? obviously when we went to board the vessel you know we got on board and there was um, there was diesel strewn around there was fireworks going off that had been secreted in the hole there was uh, flames leaping out of the hole essentially when we got on board um you know the the fire was uh, well alight and yeah, it was certainly a real danger to us and you know, so they've made a decision obviously to put our lives at risk when we boarded and and we've got a responsibility to the the people on board the vessel already too you know they although they've caused this situation you know we've we're responsible for their lives uh, once we're in, intervene and then we've we need to make sure they're safe as well so you know that was one of our priorities watching the footage i think it's you that's ordering the evacuation next one and then people, the crooks are being tossed into the into the rib, as you called it. Hearing your voice, very, very businesslike. It's probably the wrong word. <laughs> but you've got people's lives. You've got the, the crooks. You've got the evidence. Everything is on your shoulders at that moment. Do you like the pressure? Uh, yeah, I think I do, actually. Um, the main thing in those jobs, and you say it, it sounded calm, and I'll take that because, you know, I think it's very important to remain calm while things are you know, going to um, the proverbial around you. 
were very, uh, very fortunate. Um, essentially, we were riding a, a, a large bomb out there, and that's the way the, the crooks described it. When they got on board, they said, we've got a bomb on board, and that's what it was. It was, uh, you know, there was diesel strewn around the hold with electric um, electronics and, and batteries and um, flares and fireworks in there. They'd rig that thing up to blow up and really didn't care what happened to anyone boarding that vessel and um, that sort of sticks with us a, a little bit, I think, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good lessons learned out of that job as well. Don't take it too personally, even when someone wants to blow you up. Yeah, that's right, and try not to react when you're saving their life. <laughs> with the fire extinguished and the crooks restrained with zip ties, the Coraline had to be brought back to shore, a long voyage in worsening weather. Fortunately, the police got the engine of the damaged fishing trawler running, but still more challenges lay ahead. On the way back, after we'd dealt with um, all the challenges we faced uh, out there to get everyone off safely and extinguish that, get the vessel going again, conditions were deteriorating to the point where we were facing probably five metre seas during the night on the way back. We had a stabilisation arm of the vessel, which is like a basically either side of the vessel, you've got about a half a ton stabilisation arms that can fold out for the fishing vessels. Um, one of those, the winch had been let go, whether that was deliberate or otherwise, I don't know, and that eventually gave way and, and one was out and we weren't able to get it back. So that compromises stabilisation, the stability, I should say, of the vessel. So it was a rough old vomity trip back maybe? Yeah, look, I, I think I managed to keep everything down, but um, I wasn't able to put anything in either. So it was a long day without much food or water. But the other arm on the uh, port side of the vessel, it came free and started smashing into the side of the vessel, damaging the superstructure, which is the, the top side of the vessel, basically starting to destroy the vessel. So we're at a stage, we're in the middle of the night. I think I'm clinging to my, my emergency beacon, my strobe light, and um, with my life jacket on uh, with my offsider who was with me, radioing to our vessel to prepare a rescue plan for when this vessel goes down during the middle of the night in, in horrendous seas. So, um, you know, I think we spent from the time we boarded until the time we got off the vessel was um, 40 hours, I think. We spent in the same wet clothing trying to sleep on a tiny little bed for you know, maybe 30 minutes, an hour between um, switching the, the driving duties over. And, um, you know, the I think we left on the, the 14th, got back on the 17th uh, of August, and um, there wasn't much sleep during that entire period. I bet you never go on a cruise on your holidays. No, you wouldn't get me on a cruise boat to save myself. <laughs> no, not a chance in the world. Listen, great job, and, and thanks for your service to the state. That's Sergeant Ryan Spong on the last voyage of the Coraline. In a moment, we're off to Goulburn and the Police Academy. Now, a message from our sponsor. Police Bank's U30 Supercharge account is available for members aged between 18 to 29 and is one of the most accessible high-interest savings accounts on the market. This is more than a savings account as there are no ongoing fees, so you can plan for your future. Whether that's a holiday with friends, a deposit on your first home or even a new car, Get ahead with Police Bank's U30 Supercharge account. This segment is sponsored by Charles Sturt University, providing education for police and law enforcement. After three months at the New South Wales Police Academy, the students of Class 357 have come a long way. 
They came to Goulburn in January as individuals. Now they're beginning to identify with each other as team members. Soon they'll be colleagues on the street if they make it through the next five weeks to attestation. Here I am, I'm the ride. The kicker of arse, the taker of names, that's who I am. I'm some wilting flower who's going to... I'm sorry, I'm so sorry that I'm here. Don't look like that. Pick your chins up, poke your chest out. Show me that you want to be here. So my name's Luke and I am currently in week 11 of my 16-week journey at the Academy. My name's Ruby, I'm in class 357 tutorial tango and I'm heading into week 12 next week at the Academy. So how's it going? Really good. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's been full on, it's been challenging, but it's also been rewarding at the same time, I think. What's been the challenging part of it for you, Ruby? I think just now, you know, the pieces are moving a little bit quicker. So I think just implementing everything on the fly um, and just incorporating it all into scenario-based training now when it starts to, you know, ramp up and the pressure increases a little bit more, um, but also enjoying the process at the same time. But funny enough, when I was here last time, you remember when I was here a couple months ago now, and Mr. Wade was trying to get you to march and do all the parade stuff, and I, oh, fame, I laughed all, almost all the way home. Was like, this is not a Mexican wave. Yeah. How are you going with that now? Yeah. Look, um, I um, we're a lot better than what we were. Put it that way. Um, there was definitely a big learning curve. There was a few odd steps, and we were turning the wrong way, but we're getting there now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a bit of an art and I think, you know, they say practice doesn't make perfect in a sense. I think you just need to keep practicing until you get it right and you could always be better. And I guess also you start to realise what it's for. It's not the marching, you're not going to be in a marching yeah. band. Do you start to realise what it's for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even just watching more senior officers training in riot squad and, and other things, watching how they form up and how quickly they do it, it kind of resonates with us a bit more now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reasons why we are walking onto the parade ground as well, um, paying respects to our fallen and we're doing it with respect and dignity and, and making sure we carry ourselves in that mannerism. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Step off the parade ground. Oh, sorry, yes, I will. Sergeant very upset with that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> You're six weeks away from attestation. Are you ready for that? Yeah, look, um, ready as, as we can be, you know, like the Academy's done the most that they can do for us and the next 12 months are going to be pretty quick and pretty fierce learning. I think at, at this point, like I said before, when things start to move a little bit quicker, you just kind of, I'm ready just to dive in head first and just to get it done and um, I see myself at the end of it, I'm sure Luke does as well. There's also the academic side of things as well which I think in generations past there wasn't such an emphasis. But how have you found the, the units that you're doing, how do they support your ambitions as a police officer in the future? Yeah, look, everything that we've learnt from session one, which was all academic, has now we've now seen how it works in a physical sense and in a scenario-based sense. So it, it's been really good. And it, I know me personally will hold me in good stead when I hit the streets. So. Yeah, definitely. I think being able to implement that in the scenarios and in the, the physical-based training, I think it's like a bit of a puzzle and you put the pieces together and it starts to make a lot more sense as well. Yeah, because you're massively successful in Rossiville. <laughs> but that's, that's not the world, <laughs> is it? Rossiville isn't a real world, yeah. <laughs> you've also got, um, you've got Tony Wade, who's, to me, the motto is truth, integrity, knowledge, he's truth. This is a hierarchical command structure organisation that requires you to sort of park your individuality at the door. But perversely, you're still going to be called upon to act as individuals with your judgment and decision-making tools. How do the two all fit together in this place? 
that's a good question. Mm. I think um, individually, we work together in a, in a tute group and we have an amazing tute group down here. We all gel, we all come from different backgrounds. And I think when it comes back to the individuality of it, we're able to work together and, and, and pass on our knowledge where others may not know and, and vice versa in that situation. So there's definitely a link in, the, in between the two of them. And have you found, as individuals from your own background, you probably don't know anybody, mm. do you have any police in the family? I, I personally don't know. No, no. No, so this is all brand new. Yeah. And suddenly you're thrown in with this cohort of people and little by little they start to become not just fellow students but colleagues in future. You could be working on a van with them next. 100%. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I can hands down say that I've made friends for life down here. I've built strong relationships already and it's only been 11, 12 weeks and, yeah, they're like good friends to me now, so... I'm excited to see what happens next. But that must be the exciting part. All the, forget all the marching up and down and all the other stuff. Suddenly you're actually on the streets doing what and dealing with the public. Yeah, I think dealing with it as much as... They, they teach us as much as they can. Obviously, real stuff that's going to happen in the community, but they give us, I think, our best shot at learning while we're down here. Morning, everyone. Morning, sir. I did a couple of things. Last week, a couple of students got tickets, and you need to know that it can hamper your progress if you get a ticket. 357, man, how many times have we said it? Um, those who got tickets, we will deal with them, don't panic. Believe it or not, you are not the only person in the world to have ever got a ticket. You need to know there is a risk. There's a risk that if you get a ticket, you can't hold bronze in the field. The recruits graduate as bronze certified drivers, able to carry out entry-level driving duties, not pursuits or red-level emergency operations. That comes with the silver and gold levels. Getting too many traffic tickets in Goulburn could jeopardise the bronze and their opportunities. And we will not send you to the field if you can't fully complete your duties. Copy? Yes, the students are learning that with police powers come responsibility and accountability. In the job, they'll be held to a higher legal and public standard than most workers. It's important that the students leave here with a strong self-image of the kind of police officers they want to be. When I saw Mr. Wade advising, lecturing, maybe even shouting at you, <laughs> show us who you are. Have you found out who you are? I think I have to agree. I've still got a long way to go, but like I said, in four weeks, five weeks, that's when it'll start to get real for me. Yeah, definitely. I think perhaps we might discover a little bit more of that after leaving the academy and then coming into the role and finding out who we are as an individual a little bit more and how, what kind of officer we want to become and um, the people we want to represent and the people that we want to work with. And I think that might shape and mould us a little bit more as well on the streets. So. Now, you don't get what you necessarily want in terms of posting, but even a perfect world, where do you see yourself in the future? Oh, definitely with the New South Wales Police Force. I'm really happy with my placement and I'm looking forward to just getting out there and working in an area close by and around people that I can help. You're going to stay in the country? I'm in the North Shore, yeah, so back home. Luke? Yeah, I wanted to stay in my local area um, to help my local community, but um, I'm now in South Sydney, buzzing to um, find out more about the community and eventually I'd like to move on to the operational support group or maybe even the dog squad. Everyone wants to be in the dog squad, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, but you're still facing attestation, that big parade. Yep. How much work is going into it right now? Oh, you know, I think we're still in the mix of scenario-based training. Exams are coming up, so our heads are really 
in the theory and in the books at the moment. But I think it'll start to ramp up once all that eases back and then we can look forward and prepare for the end game. So that's it. I've always wondered, when everyone throws their hat in the air, do you get your own back or do you have to just oh, pick yeah, up I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely have to write my name <laughs> in my hat because I plan on launching it very high into the sky. Yeah. Until then, there's drill to master. Uniform, rank alignment, and then it's 75 centimetres for a pace at 115 paces per minute. I guess you start to encourage each other. Yeah, that's you know, it. It's yeah, hard yeah. to, people yeah. don't drop. Helps you've got your teammates to lean on and check in and Push refresh the memory. Have you seen your fellows struggle at all? Have you, have you supported each other? Has that been a factor of being here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, we're all from different backgrounds and we're all so different individually. And I think the important thing um, we get out of this experience is working as a team and working together. So someone's strength might be someone else's weakness. And as a tutorial, we pick each other up, we work together. The goal is we all want to be a testing at the end of the day. So yeah, we'll get each other there. Yeah, 100%. We've all made sacrifices to be here and um, the accountability of stuff. I think we've all worked really well and just gelled and we've picked each other up. I've had moments people have picked me up and, and vice versa, I've picked people up. It is just formed around teamwork, isn't it? You've joined the police family. Yeah. That's it. It's nice to belong, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, really happy. So home stretch now. Yeah. Are you fitter than when you came? Henry Hurley's a pretty <laughs> serious <laughs> coach, trainer. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about Lukey, but yeah, I feel like I've definitely improved 100%. And just, you know, with that consistency as well. Yeah, I've made some personal um, gains and stuff like that. We were both fitness leaders for our shoot, so we kind of had to um, lead from the front. But um, we got stuck in and I definitely see some improvements. Because on the job, that resilience and fitness may save your life and others. Yeah, it comes back down to accountability, you know, you don't want to be that, that last one to an incident or not being able to keep up with someone or chase someone down, you know, you want to make sure you're at the peak of, of where you can be. Yeah, so put the coffee and donuts to one side <laughs> and just <laughs> get Occasionally, <stuck> yeah. <laughs> so listen, thank you for choosing to serve the community and the very best of luck in what's coming. Awesome, thanks very much. Thanks Appreciate it. This segment was sponsored by Charles Sturt University, providing education for police and law enforcement. This podcast was sponsored by Police Bank. To find out more about any of our products discussed on today's episode, speak to us on 131 728 or visit policebank.com.au because banking with Police Bank means banking where you belong. Inside the New South Wales Police Force podcast is produced by Piccolo Podcasts and Media Productions. Host Adam Shan, producers Andrew Mensel and Courtney Besgrove. For New South Wales Police, Amy Hoskin. Christian Schweitzer, Sergeant Emma Key, Sergeant Megan Knight, and Senior Constable Ash Bold. Original music by Anthony Bray and the New South Wales Police Force Band. 